takes off in Britain's black spots. It's a frankly offensive fall showdown, all 525 songs going head to head, an ultimate showdown. Split into four eras, you'll work out what they are. Tonight, New Puritan versus Underground Medicine, Edinburgh Man versus In These Times, Bonkers in Phoenix versus Rude All the Time, and Reformation versus Brillo De Facto. Joined as always by Monsieur Chippington Beard Billy Rugby, from Euro Hedonists of Capri to the Purists of New England. How you doing, Pip, yeah. I'm, all, I'm all right. A little bit. I'm, I'm a little bit tender. But we'll find out more about that later in a section we call "What's Been Up, Pip?" Lord Sage Temple, from big wows to hidden gems. How's uh, Ezra? Many wows and many gems. That's what I like to hear. And T. Pemberton Walker unleashing carbon into the atmosphere at a frightening rate. Yeah, I mean, the smog monster we've been hanging about. Hedra is a bit of a tetchy type, like, but, you know, he did a shit on Godzilla's head, so fair play. Fair enough. Tiny Tim Toir, unadorned seal of ascension. Knock thrice for yes. And me, I'm three Tim, three beards. If you love the History Channel survival series alone, check out these other great shows. Now, tonight, Alistair, if, if memory serves me correctly, you've brought some sweet, sweet, sweet meats to the table. What do we have? Um, yeah, the, the monkeys. Um, you know, David Jones from Denton. Um, he was great. And, you know, they did really good pop songs, didn't they? You know, uh, but not the monkeys, it's the monks. Um, Tricky. Yeah, yeah. They did, they did one LP absolutely fantastic um, having read the book which I can't remember what it's called because oh, Phil's got it it's a depressing book a very very depressing book but it's well worth a read you know just to see what you know like uh, being in a band can be like similar to sort of uh, you know the experience of the fall which was you know not, not dead glamorous not, not like dead sort of uplifting for some people and uh, for most it ended up in a sack but in the monk's case it was just sort of like flogged to death on a, on a hard working circuit it went from being nothing to being dead popular for two weeks to being nothing again. Sort of up and down roller coaster experience. But yeah, there were a bunch of GIs playing in Germany. They started off as the Talkies uh, because we're all big Talkie United fans. You know, they were doing stuff like playing hate songs during the Summer of Love and anti-war songs, like playing those to other GIs. They didn't always appreciate it. To, and to make themselves even more popular, uh, you know, they, they wore monk's habits and shaved tonsures into their hair to make them look dead sexy. And then they chucked in like a banjo and feedback and stuff like that, you know, just to really fine-tune the uh, we're in a serious pop band and uh, we're dead sexy kind of thing. Do you want to play a tune there? Mr. Brendan. Well, let's have a listen to Oh, How to Do Now. Now, oh, how to do 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 now, o
Ooh la la. That's a great tune. It's, it's a bloody great tune. I think that's from the German live TV thing, which was when they hit the height of the popularity. Self-funded first single, uh, because in those days they didn't have crowdfunding, you know, because the internet was in black and white and powered by steam back then. Them flipping Polydor signed them, who'd have thought? But yeah, they, they played residents in some right shit olds in Hamburg, I think it was. Playing 32-hour sets, uh, you know, loads of drug sex sleaze, and, you know, all this time while being hepped up on goofballs and ecstasy pipes uh, fed to them by uh, loads of ladies of the night. That book has is, is, is kind of like done something to my brain in a way that I can't listen to I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles anymore without thinking I Want to Fuck Your Hand because that's a, a version, a cover version that was done by another band that they were playing with, which I think involved people at a focus. But um, it's mechanical, dead mechanical, very influential. A lot of people that went on to be in the, the, the crowd rock scene were, you know, watched that footage live on TV. They like the mechanical <laughs> stuff and the minimal stuff and they went for it and uh, yeah you, you could say that it's, uh, the Monks were a very seminal band uh, in the way that they influenced the whole country to turn out some amazing stuff I remember reading uh, a review of the Monks album years ago but I remember them saying that they were a band incapable of writing a conventional pop song <laughs> and the harder that they try to write a commercial pop song the more weird and out there they seem to go in the sound and I, I think that fits the fall perfectly well <laughs> in terms of attitude. One thing I would say is that the, the Monks are probably my favourite the band uh, that have some kind of gimmick tied in with their name as well. I think they're the ones that show the most commitment. Absolutely, they took it to extremes. And the one thing I remember at that book is that at one point several of them seem to be living in various woods. Things that got so bad at some point uh, they're all decamped. And this wasn't during their time in the army. This was many years later. It's a grim, grim tale, but. Absolutely magical music. Let's have a listen to another one that does that weird staccato you, 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 you thing. Um, possibly their um, theme song that Al alluded to earlier. songs in the summer of love it's balm for my soul it really is they're they were a great enormous band i find it incredibly shocking every time they record this again oh 1965 it's unbelievable i mean apart from some of the slightly dodgy sexual politics at playing some of the lyrics the sound has just not aged at all it's not surprising at all that like so many of the german prog bands took off from this because 
their kind of musical concept, which was to be on the beat and it's beat, 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 beat. Every part of their lineup was accentuating the rhythm and the beat of the sound. This kind of rock music was literally all about the beat. It, it's also phenomenal. They were so like unabashedly political and unvarnished, you know, like in the first track on the first album, which I think is the monk theme, they're talking about Vietnam in the, oh, why did you kill all those children? You know, this on a record in 1965 is one of the most blistering, like pulling no punches critique of war. And it's summed up in a, in a fucking sentence. They're an incredible band and, and listening back to them, at least the first five tracks on the album all seem to have been repurposed by the fall in some way or another, either as straight up covers or possibly in different songs. Yeah, you know, I, I think more than any other band that we've covered so far in this section, the Monks really are like the musical foundation of the full sound. And it would not surprise me at all if Marky e. Smith forced every fucking member of the full to sit through the album and be like, yeah, this is what you're going to fucking sound like. This is what you got to do. This is what we've got to do. So yeah, I mean, like it, it's pretty flawless in my feelings. Yeah, the kind of space they had in as well, especially in songs like I Hate You, it sets them apart from the, the straight up. Other influences like the Sonics and so on that were kind of straight down the line garage rock bands and yeah you see how that influenced people like the stooges that did those longer uh, angrier kind of tracks and then gave all the punkers permission to kind of do the same them and the velvets i guess well the, the story about the woods i think it was it might have been the guitar player who ended up living in a tent in the woods for like five years afterwards because of that fucking traumatized by the experience of being in the monks you know when you got like the beatles doing love love me do that all about how much it, it hurts you and yeah that was one that fall did in the uh, smith stuck a, a lyric in there uh, which wasn't in the original monks one like uh, which is a uh, uh, yeah, i think it was a hate you with a passion you maladjusted little monkey you 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 and I do like the first maladjusted little monkey. Very good. Fall did four or five covers, depending on how you count it. Shut up, arguably being the worst of the bunch, but this is the one uh, I think that we liked the most. You even claimed this wasn't a cover, Phil, and you got Al to vote it through, but history will see us right. Let's have a listen to Higgle Die, Piggle Die.
getting faster. His body getting faster. Uh, it's um, that is a storming, storming track. Just looking again at the track list and off that first album, because rare in that in mid sixties to not have a bunch of covers on your album. All original, as far as I can see. Love can tame the wild. Drunken Maria. Complication. Cuckoo. All these songs that banging tunes. Go out and get it. Well, that brings us to the main event of the evening. First is the new Puritan up against Underground Medicine. of new puritan well i wasn't that i was not familiar with this tune this was a bit of a revelation for me this is a hell of a tune as i was checking it out i um i came across a story about paul huntley and that this is his audition he, he rocked up to the studio and mark, and mark basically said right i've got a song you can try it out on this which if that's true is phenomenal because that the whole performance on this is absolutely amazing. But the things that jumped out to me that I, I thought were cool about this was it, it really reminds me of ESG, that kind of arrangement that they've got going and the, the sort of a brute but with a very rhythmic, strong rhythmic kind of feel to it all. I love the chord change as well. I think it's great. I think it's a, it, it, it's a really accomplished bit of music. I, I love And it's kind of the song that spawned every guitar band from the north is there. So that in and of itself means that this is such an influential tune but um uh, yeah i really really like this i think it's got loads going for it you know we've said it about backdrop and words of expectation medical acceptance get that this didn't 
just didn't see light of day outside of that peel session and that that rough demo on Total's turns. Absolute madness. Ezra, what's this one do for you? Yeah, this has been one of my favorite tracks for a, for a while. It's an absolutely electrifying piece of music. It's amazing that, like, you know, I would say that the four were really firing on all cylinders for at least the first five, ten years of their existence. And, you know, there, at least there was a certain period where almost all of Smith's, like, performances on the mic were just really at 11. And then you get to something like this and he seems to push it a notch further and it's absolutely possessed and just so intense, you know, like it completely transcends the lyrics just with the force of the authority. Incredible. It was very interesting what Phil was saying because there's something about the track to me that sounds almost improvised, you know, like there are parts where it falls apart a little bit. At least it was in its kind of early idea of itself. I mean, and you know, and the other fascinating thing is that it, the original version appears on Totali's terms, a live album. Album. But this apparent this version was apparently recorded in Smith's living room. It sounds like there's maybe a guitar and keyboard going on in the background over his delivery, which is much less exciting. And it's it's more of a kind of a pro another pro concrete thing. Like to me, it's of a piece of uh, WMC. You know, I mean, it's slightly clearer and songier than WMC. But that was the only official release it got outside of this Peel session. And this Peel session is just fucking enormous. Completely agree with the ESG thing. It's I think it's definitely is alongside the rest of the band. Like Paul Hanley's drumming is like fucking totally off the hook here. It's fantastic. And I'll leave it to you, Brendan, to get into the to the lyrics. I feel like I've said quite a bit already. You've said a bit, but there's much more to say. And yes, don't worry, I've got those lyrics ready. But first, Alistair, I've got the new Puritan for you. Hi, hell, new Puritan. It's a really special song, and it's, uh, there's a lot of room in the beautiful sort of like angular feel to the, the rhythm. The drums dead sparse. Love that dynamics between the the guitar and the bass. Again, very nice. And uh, you know, with the ranting on the, over the top of it, uh, ranting against various things, I think, including the record industry, which is fair enough. If you listen to it later on in, in the recording, you got some of the noisy old school plink plonk keyboards in it, just for a minute he's got that looseness to it where there was space for them to be able to jam out but before like returning back to a set point where you know smith would take over and go back to form but yeah it's, it's a nasty dirt one of the reasons why i've been paying attention to the fall for decades bloody grass it's it's a masterpiece it's two years before hex but if it even if it had gone on hex it would have been one of the outstanding tracks it would have probably been the center point of the album it's just that the way the fall works they're not hanging on to a track for two years it just happened to come out when they were doing great grotesque it would have been amazing on that album but it would not have fitted as well as something like wonderful and frightening or or hex it would have been an absolute centerpiece and that's saying something to say that this song would make one of the greatest albums of all time even better it's got these tight taut guitar riffs that are kind of unspooling and, and changing along with drums and bass are just loads of variations all the way through this is riley scanlon the hanley is just just magical hail a new puritan maelstrom cock one all hardcore fiends will die by me all decadent sins will reap discipline in LA the window open switches like a dinosaur cackle curse your preoccupation with your record collection in LA a drunk is sick on Gene Vincent's star modernist like frack 
structured kind of lyrics, just absolutely brilliant. You get to the annotated fall, and actually I was I was trying to get Chris, who runs the annotated fall, on, and I've been hanging on to the episode with New Puritan in for a while because there's like <laughs> 5,000 words on the annotated fall about New Puritan. A very interesting read that um, I'm hoping we'll get more time with. What does Tim 3 think of uh, New Puritan? Does it involve some kind of ectoplasmic wall spasm or interdimensional rice paper of any kind? I think he's coughed this up, but one of the best things they did, the last piece of the unholy trinity of words of expectation, backdrop, and this beauty. Just listen to the keys making an asthmatic wheeze, the insistence, the scratch note of the descending guitar, the bass pulse and pound of the drums while high priest hymn intones blissful. Blissful indeed. But it's got its work cut out. It's up against, let's try that again because it hasn't got its work cut out at all, is it? But it's it's up against Underground Medicine off uh, <laughs> debut LP Witch Trials 1979. That's the spirit, Brendan. Let's just go through the motions. Ezra, underground medicine. Well, you know, Brendan, when I saw the playlist, when I saw that New Puritan was on the playlist, I was like, well, whatever it's up against has got a snowball's chance in hell. But then I sat down and listened to this track, which I've got to say, despite having live witch trials and having listened to it at length, is a track which somehow had never caught my attention. And I grew to really like it. It's got this great, great proggy feel. In in my mind, from this period, it's the most ostensibly proggy pieces that they did. And it's real fun and a big joy to listen to. I will find some of the uh, lyrics, which also I enjoyed a spark inside 10% that I hide and when it clicks there's no resist every time I hear a new baby cry I thank my spark inside and you get underground medicine underground medicine on my pants I spilled expectorant and the colonel shot better with 30 pints <laughs> You know, like Marky Smith, every time I hear a baby cry, I do feel a spark grow inside. So, you know, that that was really nice. And it, and it seems like he's suggesting that every time you do hear a baby cry, someone comes and gives you some drugs as well. Um, and if I'd have known about that, if I'd have listened to those lyrics all the way back in time when I first listened to Life at the Witch Trials, I think I possibly could have improved my life. Indeed. Every time I hear a newborn baby cry or touch a leaf... Or See the Sky, that you'll know from the Robson and Jerome cover of this song. They changed the lyrics a little bit. Alistair, what did you make of uh, Underground Medicine by The Fall? It's a great one I've known for years since I was a teenager, but um, it would normally go through, I think. This is not quite as strong as New Puritan. I think it'd be going through. Um, hey, no spoilers. It's called it. It's called it. <laughs> 
Pretty cog, pretty cog. <laughs> yeah, but as we're saying about the prog thing, that was quite interesting. Cause yeah, it's punky, but it's not like standard punk, is it? You know, you're different about it. And it could be that prog kind of mash up in there, you know, that gives it that feel. Punk, but not as we know it. So unusual in the fall catalog. <laughs> It's, it's, it's definitely not Sham 69, is it? Like, but I mean, if you think in 1979, Joy Division was out Unknown Pleasures, read by that time, that was a hell of a lot different as well, and arguably stronger. Um, but it's a fucking good song. Um, would normally go through, but not this week, lads. I wondered to what extent Underground Medicine was referring to the Velvet Underground and heroin or something like that, but uh, I don't, it doesn't seem to have any particular hints. It's one of the first of the chant intros, I think. So maybe Eat Yourself Fitter is the high point of that. I, I put down as more of a psych garage rather than proggy so much. It was it, it was the psych end of garagey stuff and stuff like the monks and, and um, maybe someone like Love who would throw in quirky, weird things into what would be a regular garage rock song. That kind of cheesy keys with a fast melodic kind of stuff makes it maybe pushes it a little bit over the cheesy side for me. Um, do, this is the stuff I got into first from the four we um, the psycho mafia and stuff like this that appeal to kind of the weirdy pop sensibility. But little by little, I've kind of strayed from this stuff, and this isn't the stuff I come back to. Even though, you know, it's played nicely and God love your Carl Burns for the madness that's going on here, <laughs> the fells and the, the bonkers stuff going on. This apparently ties into the Roman Total story that came back in N- NWRA and a few other places a lot around this time, where he seemed to have this theme and this character partially running through. And apparently in an interview, he said that there was going to be a book called Underground Medicine, which would be the statements of Roman Total. And a big part of me really wishes he'd gone a lot further down that route instead of just dabbling with Luciani and, and stuff like that. I think sorely missed opportunity. Yeah, Pip, what do you make of uh, UM? I'm, I'm kind of in your camp a little bit with this. It's got its charm. There's loads of stuff to like about it. The drumming in particular is absolutely manic all the way through, isn't it? And that's that really jumps out. But everything's kind of got that manic feel to it. Even the the, um, the, the guitar playing on it which is like he's trying to fit too many notes into uh, to the time that they've got which is it kind of that sound of the album isn't it? it it's got a lot of energy above talent I think in from a musical point of view there's definitely uh, likable bits in the words although I don't think it's his best showing personally and it's a likable tune it's, there's nothing annoying about it or disappointing or anything like that it's just just nothing can do better yeah I mean it's good for a debut album and it's packed with all little tunes like this but it's up against a big boy tonight what does tim think a sparkling little early gem proper punky and irresistible energy nothing could burn to new puritan but what is it everybody's calling it everybody's <laughs> calling it um let's take a vote um, to be honest seems like a waste of time should we, should we just call it well alistair which way are you going oh underground I'll medicine go- what a turn up for the books <laughs> I will. I'd seriously go for underground medicine, mainly because it's going to get voted off. So, we'll, we'll, you know, it's just a, a few times. with that attitude. What if we all do that, though? Yeah. <laughs> what if everybody <laughs> thinks that way, Alistair? Uh, Ezra, which way are you going? I, I mean, I feel obliged, like Alistair, after it's been damned with such faint praise, to vote for underground medicine. Waiting for you to say, but I'm not. No, I'm, I'm going to do that. All right, Phil, it seems that you have the deciding vote here. Let's see, let's tell you all, let's see what let's see what Tim thinks. You really want to give me the deciding vote <laughs> He has gone for New Puritan with four points. <laughs> I'm also going for New Puritan. So Phil, it comes down to you. Which one of these two tunes I'm gonna, are you going to Well, I'm, screw you all. I'm going to give New Puritan four points. <laughs> Very good. And uh, Underground Medicine, five. 
I'm going to turn up for the book. <laughs> oh, shithousing aside, New Puritan goes through underground medicine. I'll go into the second chance bag. Maybe up against some big boys there as well. So let's see. And moving on to the second set, we've got Edinburgh Man off shift work, 1991. Grab the jingle jangle and a nice little turnaround there, Alistair. Does Edinburgh Man tickle your fancy? It's a really, really good song, isn't it? He brought it when he, he buggered off from Manchester when all the, the, the Manchester stuff had uh, kicked off. And all about his love for Edinburgh. I know he's a, an Edinburgh man, mate. Discussed this with, with Phil last night. And uh, yeah, it's, it's on his soppy MAS songs list. But there is a lovely feel to the song, isn't there? Dead chills, quite inoffensive, very poppy. And there's bits in it that really remind me of Galaxy 500. It's like some of the rhythms, the progressions, like the surfy lead guitar sound uh, and the backing vocals there. That, that kind of stuff really, really remind me of Galaxy 500, who were a shit-hot band, in my opinion. They're probably split about 1990, but uh, yeah, Edinburgh, Edinburgh, man, very nice. Indeed, yeah, Galaxy 500, great, great band. And they, I guess they come out of that kind of jingly jangle, but with a little bit of feedback in there and something, just a little bit of an edge. And I think this has kind of got it, even though everything's nice and sweet. It's There's some kind of bite to it that it's the mild side of the fall, but not that, that stuff we complain about that's anodyne, that's similar to some like Billy's dead it just hit that sweet spot but hearing smith talk about edinburgh is funny that granada reports that, that they they show that the, the video is um one of his quotes he hired a flat in edinburgh it was amazing the woman in the flat next door would knock at the door and offer me a beaker of scotch before i went there i really thought i had a drink problem but i was a mere beginner to what they would put away i couldn't keep up fantastic place phil what do you make of edinburgh man yeah like i was saying this uh, when i was putting that, that murky soppy list together this was the first tune that went on it it's such a beautiful song and um, you're quite right he manages to, to navigate what could be quite treacherous territory quite deftly he produces such a beautiful tune at the end of it so yeah I, I really like this very evocative as a tune I've got a big soft spot for odds to cities to particular places to have that sense of place and to kind of conjure something um, and I think he does that really beautifully in this like it's it's very evocative and you do you can sort of feel Edinburgh in it but it's also that I was alluding to it's got that sense of time as in it, it's a perfect soundtrack for exactly where he was at at that time as well so it's it's a really good time capsule of the piece but it's a, it's a beautiful song Ezra does this make you want to move up north 
to paraphrase Rick James, whiskey is a hell of a drug. There, there are two things that are wrong with this song. The first one is that I wasn't born in Edinburgh. And the second one is that I've never lived in Edinburgh. They're all my fault. <laughs> this song just blows my mind every time. I fucking love it, love it to bits. And, you know, it's incredible that, you know, whiskey would make Marky Smith. Well, actually, it's not incredible because it's done the same to me. That maudlin and soppy. <laughs> I think that video is the actual video that was taken for the song, right? I think that's a cut up of like an interview with him on Granada Report. That's, sh- that's a shame, but at least it keeps in the tradition, the great tradition, the glorious tradition, excellent tradition of four videos. And, you know, like at the start, we see Martin Smith attempting to wink to the camera, but ultimately just basically being able to acknowledge it and then feeding a swan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it just develops from there. And so, you know, like all along, I was like not knowing any better, just, you know, conjuring up fantasies in my bedeviled head, like that it was a, released as a single and that was the video that they shot to accompany the uh, single. But yeah, it, it's fantastic. As I sit and stare at all of England's sores, I'll tell you something I wish I was in Edinburgh. What does Tim 3 think of this song? Let's do it for Christmas. Let's do it for mm. Christmas. He says, gentle and wistful, but maybe a bit cheesy. Sounds like a sequel to I'm Going to Spain, if I'm honest. <laughs> That's harsh. There's more. It's more. I love the backing vocals, because all that ethereal, ooh, it's fine, but it's about the last thing I would ever reach for when I want to listen to the phone. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's up against In These Times off the Friends Experiment 1988, an album we've called A Little Bit Ragtag. Yeah, this track first, shall we? like what they've done with that uh, that video the lyric video funky size head shaking from side to side and the that accentuates the bass wall, which i think is the best thing about this song that that wobbly wobbly bass inside a chirpy tune great mez delivery very wry knowing kind of delivery with those bricks kind of backing vocals being distracting in a good way the seminal live version has marsh's keys like 10 times higher than everything else and it's insane listen because they're they're mixed quite low in that version it's not bad at all um, my aqua cat is where it's at new to the mammal range in these times fish cat mother in these times spectral filter in these times feline nutter I hope in the years ahead, my Gosmething gate will keep out the trash. And it's all about diluted Jesuits and dilated Walkman and Aquacats, which I'm all for. Very good. What about uh, Ezra? Yeah, you know, like I, I think this song, lyrically, it, it's up there with uh, New Puritan. And musically, it's no slouch either. I mean, Marsha Schofield is riding that riff with the ostentatious deployment of the brass preset. <laughs> 
it's fantastic. And it is for, you know, like I, I think it's a real highlight on the album. I mean, my Aquacat is where it's at, is flawless. So to pick up on where Brendan left off on the diluted Jesuits, pour out of neutral Walkmans from Elland Road to Venice Pensions and down the Autobahns, in this time, if that's it, I'm leaving. In these times, leave this planet fast. In this time, my dreams are one to miss. I often hope in years ahead, my summer thin gate will keep out the trash in which my psychic streets enmeshed. In these times, I picture framed preteen rap gangs with Alsatians on street corners. I made inquiries. It's wow, it's great stuff. It's really great stuff. And again, it's all about getting your brain pickled on life. Who can argue with that? Who can? Apparently, he said on this LP, there's a song called In These Times, which was written at times last year when things were pretty shocking and tasteless. There's a bit in the song relating when I went to Italy for the first time with bricks. I thought at least I'd get away from cars and U2. And the first thing I heard were these two street theater people doing U2 songs on acoustic guitars mixed with Beatles songs. It was a nightmare. Alistair, what do you think of In These Times? Yeah, it's a solid uh, rockabilly kind of groove. It reminds me a bit of, uh, you know, couldn't get ahead or something like that but you know you're getting a bit weird with the rockabilly uh, it's been alluded to with the, the keyboards is the, the, the bit that I don't really like I'm not dead keen on that brass keyboard preset that uh, Ezra mentioned but it's a very good song I'm normally on the, a bit of a, a downer with, with friends but um, I really like this tune it's one of the better ones on there it's groovy it sounds like the backing vocals it's pitch shifted you know um, which I, I know several of you lot have disapproved of before now but I think it works and it, but it ends with a third it would have been nice to have uh, seen where it had gone to you know if they hadn't fared it out <laughs> are you okay up there on that roof Alistair be careful <laughs> Philip what do you think of uh, In These Times this is all taking a turn for the surreal isn't it it's a great one it's very very listenable very catchy as I think I was making out there really nice pop sensibility about it but it's, it's really bizarre kind of poetry lyrics doesn't it going all the way through it and the more the more time you take with it the more bizarre and surreal it becomes really. but I, it's it's a cracking tune it's got a really nice sense of momentum about it that really picks up and just carries you along and it it feels like everything is nicely arranged in it as well i really like the option on it and i think everything sounds great it does it does feel like, it's funny what you were saying about seminal life and marsh's keys given the fact that she's quite in the center of that video but i, I i'm straining my ear to actually hear anything like that it was her coming What's Tim think of this song? Oh, I feel <clears throat> like I've previously dismissed this song due to the fact that it's on a generally crap album. But this is a bloody gem. Is the version on the playlist different to the album mix? Maybe a remaster or something? It's a great mix. Busy but fairly transparent. Layered guitar and sort of cluttery noises and interjections. Cheap synth porn stabs. The vocal work is superb too with brilliant interplay. This is going on the favourites list from now on. It's, it mentions the interplay, actually. It reminded me a bit of James in places. I do think that that Bricks and Smith being more or less singing over the top of each other works really well in this case. Let's take a vote. Edinburgh Man versus In These Times. Alistair, which way are you going? In These Times. Oh, Philip? It's very close, but I think I'd have to go with Edinburgh Man. Okay. Tim 3, I'm, I'm thinking, is leaning towards In These Times. Uh, yes, you would be correct in that assumption. Very good. And uh, I'm going to go for Edinburgh Man, which leaves the decision up to our good friend over there, 
in Tokyo town. Oh, <laughs> really? You can split your vote and we can go to the, to the fingers. Yeah, actually, you know, I mean, this is the hardest decision of the night. And so, yeah, I'm going to split my vote. He's splitting his vote. He's sending us to the fingers. All right. I need a pen. So I'll be thinking. Alrighty. First up, Edinburgh man. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Plus Tim. Uh, one and a half. That takes it to eleven point five. In these times. Three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And Tim has given that three. In these times, goes through an Edinburgh man disgracefully goes into that second chance bag. Oh, it's graceful, isn't it? We're going to get complaints again. Good Lord. They're steaming and I can't even open the door at this point. Bonkers in Phoenix off Cerebral Caustic 1995. Bonkers at Phoenix. Bonkers at Phoenix. Bonkers at Cost it gets some some tough love from us for its kind of uh, mid paced generic songs, but uh, this is a bit of a standout on the album. It's Bricks <laughs> gave Mark this sweet, beautiful song, and he decided the only way he was going to put it on the album was if he pitch shifted it up and played white noise and synths and spoken word over the top of it. But you know what? As with most of his ridiculous. The choices it actually works because if you listen to the version which is basically just bricks his song it's a little bit dull maybe that this was his way of saying what daniel love phil what do you think of this song i think it's brilliant deliciously over the top it's we were talking about lee scratch perry the other day weren't we and this is just studio's instrument taken to absurd levels <laughs> but like you say it completely works. It's it's one of the most listenable tracks on the uh, cerebral caustic. I think it's you're quite right. It is just a bonkers idea to do it, and uh, he he does it with a plum in terms of how how much crazy, how much bonkers is going on in Phoenix. And uh, yeah, I, I think this is absolutely great. And massive massive kudos for the vegetarian seating arrangements that he manages to uh, sort out every song. Car parking is available. Available at Glastonbury Phoenix, Naughty Wickerman, Oogie Oogie, M. Riley, Ezra, what does he do for you? Well, first of all, this song makes me laugh a lot. 
and I'm not sure what I like more. I'm not sure if it's the sound of like a pretty melody being drowned in the tar pits of studio smudge out or the soap opera behind his gestation <laughs> within which I, I imagine Marky Smith kind of being like, well, you know, you know, Faust, you know, Faust, it's a bit of a pain. You know, they just, it's a really nice song and they were just blasting noise over the top of it. And and so, you know, it, it's, that's what we're going to do here because it's dead experimental. And, <laughs> you know, maybe actually he probably wouldn't have even bothered to justify his decision at all, which, which actually makes it seem quite cruel. But... <laughs> Nonetheless, the song is a triumph and has been, as has been noted, very, very listenable. I would return to it and will return to it anytime. The tones themselves, the kind of noise and the synth tones actually makes it a pretty uncomfortable listen on the headphones. But um, it is beautiful. I just because I'm way, way too long, but a, a fine choice. And it's interesting, yeah, we're going to blast um, this noise at the top of this song, but we're only going to do it to this one that you've written, Bricks, none of the others on any of the albums. It does seem a little bit. She she um, apparently said that um, I presented Mark with a song called Shiny Things, one of the best things I'd ever written. I really dug really, really fucking deep down and I expected great things of it. Maybe a lovely duet with Mark, a gorgeous, subtle soundscape played by Scanlon. But of course, Mark obliterated it. He put the most ugly, vile noises on it and drowned out any delica- uh, delicacy and sped up my voice so I sounded like a cartoon demon. Alistair, what does this song do for you? I really quite like this one. You know, the, the, the vocal effects, it's always going to tick boxes for me being big fan of Singing Pigs. A lovely, lovely pop song. There's like the lovely melodic vocal, guitar, bass in the mix and they just assault it uh, in a, a beautiful way with, with all, all, the, all the noise. Uh, it makes it sound like, you know, you've got a bad FM signal uh, on a shit radio where, like, the stations are bleeding together at times. For creativity alone, that's getting 10 out of 10 for me. I mean, he did say that Briggs came up with this tune and it sort of reminded me of the sort of bands of today, which is a backhanded compliment if I've ever heard one. It struck me as a bit of a retro tune, so I thought I would put it in the landscape of an open-air festival. So the idea apparently is that the noises and other things are the what you would hear while this shitty band was playing at a, at a festival, Glastonbury Phoenix, to be specific. I think it has the feeling like late breeders stuff. Yeah, it's nice. What does Tim think of this? Can't get on with this one at all. Seems mean-spirited and annoying in equal parts. It should probably get a point for just how annoying it is to try and listen. Uh, But seriously listening to it again for this, I don't think it has any redeeming qualities. Underneath it all sounds like a really fucking wet bit of indie pop. And over the top, it's artless and cheap, meaningless gestures. I'd be happy to never hear it again. Well, fair enough. Harsh. I think keeping with his normal spirit, isn't it? He's a grump, Brendan. Let's just call it what it is. He's a a grumpy old beggar, isn't he? The mean-spirited thing is the thing which tours me on this because, yeah, it could be viewed as him just properly shitting all over bricks, which he does lyrically in other places, but doesn't seem to do musically quite as much. Mm, But I don't think he'd do that to his album. I don't think he'd put that on there just to make that point. So I'm going to give him the benefit that he genuinely thinks that this is a way to present and improve 
improve this song. Maybe that's being too generous. So all those things, Brendan, it can be mean spirited, but also work in the final mask. It could be, couldn't it? We do live in a postmodern wonderland. So it's up against the Ed Blaney tune, Rude All the Time, which was a limited edition seven inch that came out in only 500 copies. Eventually it turned up in a reissue of Are You Are Missing Winner. Alistair, what do you think of the song Rude All The Time? I couldn't hear any of that. It's a blessing, to be honest. But what do you think of the song Rude All The Time? I don't like the guitar at all, and it's pretty upfront here, isn't it? Um, it's, a, it's a bit like Led Zeppelin doing the, uh, the forky stuff. Um, sounds improvised, which, you know, a bit I like. But um, it's a, a bit self-conscious holding back or trying to stay conscious while doing your bit after a pint or two of uh, Tetley's Best. Not for me. I'm afraid that one, Brendan. Fair enough, Alistair, but I'm afraid I'm giving you a yellow card for that Led Zeppelin reference. Whew. That's um, your first one. Ezra, what does this one do or not do for you? Well, you know, it's interesting because I've been under the impression that an AI-generated chatbot called the Brendo Rhythm was um, selecting this playlist through purely random means. And so it's interesting that these two songs should be juxtaposed very interesting because you know in the first song you have Marky Smith shitting all over a musician who had also been his wife and really you know you've got to do it though you might as well do it properly (laughs) defacing a piece of music that she obviously felt quite strongly about and in the second song we have another quite long-lived Marky Smith enabler this fellow Ed Blaney It's just interesting to me that, um, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe Brix's song was not entirely up to snuff. It's quite difficult to tell 100% from Bonkers in Phoenix. And then you listen to Ed Blaney's guitar playing and singing. And, you know, like, I don't know, had I been Marky Smith, I might have um, mixed that a little differently, let's say. But maybe the mixing was out of his hand. I see. But what do you think of... Rude all the time. It's like it answers that question that we've all been wondering what would an Oasis fall get together sound like? So awful. It kind of picks up a little bit uh, in the middle of the record when um, it's just Mark really talking over the guitar. But even that, it's it's fucking struggling, to be honest with you, to do anything other than just, so, no, it's not good. I um, have a bit of a soft spot for that kind of acoustic, lo-fi kind of stuff. But, yeah, most of the stuff he did with Ed Blaney hasn't, yeah, hasn't appealed to me that much. But I actually quite like this one. There's some lyrics in there I quite like. As well. um, Autumn she reaps and summer she sows, but she's rude all the time. You're a degenerate half-wit and you live on a drop of milk from a, th- from a thimble. Now, I'm not sure if those were... Is it? He lived on milk, didn't he, for a while. That was... Bread, peppers and milk. That Something was like story, that, yeah. wasn't it? Um, maybe, but I don't think you'd be quite so rude about David Bowie, even in a song called Rude All the Time. But maybe that's uh, maybe 
we're missing some genius in there. But yeah, not a lot to it, but I quite like it. It's a little bit of a charm, but I probably won't come back to it too much. Go on, let's hear what Tim thinks. <laughs> won't come back to it too much. Uh, Jesus, what a lot of shite. I think you're all a little bit harsh on that. I think it's a nice little tune tucked away on a limited edition single, but sure enough, come on, let's take the vote. Bonkers in Phoenix versus Rude All the Time. Oh, in Phoenix. Ezra? Yep, this was no problem for me. Bonkers in Phoenix. I, Philip? Bonkers. Tim? He's given Bonkers no points, and he's given Rude 0.2 of a point. Really? It's interesting. Both of those have scored higher than I thought he would have given them. <laughs> bonkers. 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 I'm going to go for Bonkers. I'll go too. for Bonkers. All right, so Bonkers. What about goes you, Al? Three. What are you going for? Hey, I might go for Bonkers. Ezra? I'm a Bonkers man myself. That takes us to the last showdown of the evening, which is Reformation off the Reformation post in TLC 2007 versus Brillo de facto off New Facts Emerge. Let's have a listen to Reformation exclamation mark. decided to do this in the um, style of Tim 3. Dirty generic riff. Mesh shows up shouting, doesn't doesn't do much else. Phil, what do you think of this song? So, it feels like we've been here before, doesn't it? It strikes me as sounding very much like it comes from that album. I, I thought, as I was listening to it, I, I thought there was a bit of an 80-20 thing <laughs> going on with it as well. I think the band actually show up for this tune. I think, um, whilst it is quite generic, um, the performances are a little less jammy than they are on some of the other tracks it feels like this is actually a tune that they've got and they know where it's going um it's not just kind of limply wandering off into the distance and you're sort of wondering if it can remember its name it's a much better tune off the album but it's not a great album so the bar's not particularly high and yeah i think mez rocks up and does his thing doesn't he and it's it's got some moments of being quite amusing and funny with that especially his sort of drunken man screaming into the wind kind of act. but apart from that it's not really got this there's no hook as such there's, there's some nice sort of um, uh, music ideas going on in it but nothing that you would go oh my god i'm blown away it's it's more kind of functional really so it, it feels a bit workhorse to me yeah it doesn't even really stand out in that album which is a bad sign ezra what about this one for you well i do have a soft spot for this one <laughs> again the video is fantastic yeah you know the video is just hilarious because the, like they're in a place called Full Motel or Full Hotel and the Yanks get beamed down from Planet America in front of the hotel whilst Marky e. Smith is in his hotel room smoking tons of fags and just getting agitated. <laughs> 
and they all come in and they all get agitated together and they're like kind of popping around and later on it goes all red and Eleni joins in so I suppose you know it's the woman the female peril <laughs> musically for me it it's super good functional garage psychedelia or garage rock or harsh garage or avant garage or garage noise or whatever you want to call it it perfectly ticks all my boxes for that and yeah you know like i like it a lot for that the lyrics also really interest me and the performance because it's almost like it's the closest of any full song i know to marky e. smith doing fan service because you've got the non sequiturs flying thick and fast and then the numbers and just bah out delivery and it to me you know like it, it it's just quite amazing as a show of bravado because of course the whole thing is the reformation of the fall post traitors liars cunts and you know for all of those reasons i pretty like it and you know the lyrics they've got their high points as well oh six seven hours oh six seven hours black river full motel tiles goldfish ball blimp tf Traitor, Post, Ass, Reformation, Post, TLC, Love, Arbeit mit uns. That, he, with that, he vanished. Black River, Fall Motel, Cheese State, Reformation. Finish this sentence, Alistair. Can't. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all right, this one. Quite like this synth uh, in it. It reminds me a little bit of Heartwind, uh, which got me thinking, you know, why on earth would you name your band after a fart from a bird of prayer? But uh, probably because you can, but maybe it's a way forward and we need to be... Uh, Raising awareness of the climate change by naming more bands after uh, animals farting. Ostrich guff. One of the starts, isn't it? Kestrel pip. Pinch queef. Thank well, that's you. a good one. It's just back. Hello. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, anyways, that's that's what I was saying. Perfectly Great. summed up this song. Steve Trafford, Ben Pridgeton, Spencer Birdwhistle, who will later be coming under the TLCs, they they just quit in the middle of the tour, right? And so Smith literally just got one of the support acts to be his band. Just happened to be an awful, awful band. What does Tim think of this song? They're not an awful band. They just didn't deliver, did Hasn't they? Tim already said he loves this? I think he said it's his favourite tune of all time, yeah. This was a cracking track live where it was loud and, and hit a hypnotic groove. Not really a good song, though. Unlike most of the LP, underbaked and weedy sounding, like a garage rock parody of what could have been. I do admire the slight shifts and changes that happen with the guitar lines, the way stuff comes in and out of the mix alongside the dumb shit drums and the constant bass line. In an alternate world, the new group would have sat on these ideas on this record for a few months, developed it a bit, got a decent production sound, less sketchy lyrics, and done something good. Ah, uh, untaken paths. But it's up against Brello de Facto. We heard it last week with the intro of Restick, a song we all admired for its new, brave new direction post New Facts Emerge. Let's have a listen to uh, Brello de Facto.
Ah, yes. Taken from the very final Fall album, only a mere five years ago. Alistair, would you make a Brillo de facto? Well, I love the vocals. They're always great. Getting into Rowley Birkin territory again. But yeah, some nice grooves going on with it. It goes a little bit dark and kind of experimental at times. You know, some nice funky grooves, tight fills, a nice sort of spaced out production on there as well. And um, I'm going to tick a few boxes here with the Fall bingo. Reference John Spencer Blues Explosion on this one. I think that there's a, a bit of a JSBX thing going on. Very nice. Yes, I think they'd moved past the pub rock of the kind of first iteration of the, the lads band and they'd moved into something a little bit thinner and slinkier and gets a bit punkier towards the end. I still don't know if it's got a huge amount going for it uh, other than Mez's vocals. And yeah, this last album, Mez steps it back up. Yeah, some splendid vocal nonsense from that kind of keeps the track going and keeps it alive. Yeah, not one I'm going back to very often, I don't think, I, but but um, holds my attention while I'm listening. Phil, what do you make of this? So if I can go into my bingo card, it reminded me a bit of Captain Beefheart. This. It sounds a bit like Booglerize Your Baby, the, the riff. I wondered if that had been where it was lifted from. It's got that kind of rhythm to it, um, which I like. And I, I do think it's a good tune. Whilst Mezzy's on top, form and he's very enjoyable to listen to i don't know there's still something that's a little bit thin for me and it's it's like it needs something else to lift it like it's like another voice like a i don't know like another instrument or something like that that just needs to, to be fill that gap a little bit but it's great it's got a lot of energy about it it's been treated a little bit this week apart from the blurney track it's it's been a very enjoyable set of listens wait Ezra, what about Brillo for you? Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like I preferred the live version that came uh, after Restick in some ways. And, and, you know, like Phil was saying, there's, you know, maybe an Eleni shaped hole in the in the lineup here a little bit. Yeah, I hate to damn it with fake praise because it's it's good. It's good. It's good enough for sure. The metally bridges didn't really do it so much for me. But yeah, his his performance is actually fucking great. But I would say his performance on Reformation is also great. So yeah, you know, like it, it's a good fucking track, but we've heard a lot of good tracks tonight. And that the truth. What's, what does Tim think? What do you think he thinks? Oh, I, this is good, but um, bit dull. I, I haven't read this before. A later day classic with Mez sounding like he's yelling from inside a box. Great bass line, and I really like the Chuck Chuck guitar riff and the dubby breakdown bit. Kind of beef arty, don't you think? I'm going to booglerize your baby. Real good shit. I think he's great. Sorry. And classic, modern classic. Apparently, um, the reference to the title is to Lee Brillo, who have Dr. Feelgood. Dr. Feelgood being ironically uh, the inventors of pub rock and this sounds way less pub rocky than uh, the rest but but Smith thought it sounded like uh, Greenway was channeling feelgood Brillo chin in cake shops I am celestial tiny tears of blame at the altar of Kennedy and whimsy in Victoria Station and all the infants to suckle him um, beautiful and sweet and, and disturbing in equal measures let's take a vote Reformation versus is Brillo de facto, Phil? Brillo. Hi, I'm going for Brillo as well. Ezra? Yeah, this one's also been casting tough uh, to decide on. I think I'll go for Brillo um, just because the lyrics are, and the delivery... Right, Tim? Uh, Brillo. And what about Alistair? Oh, he just whispered Brillo as he was running out of the room. All right, so Brillo goes through. New 
Puritan. Seamless. That means new Puritan in these times, bonkers in Phoenix, and Brillo de facto goes through, and shockingly, Edinburgh Man is now on the shit pile, which is disgraceful and just shows how... Officially a shit joke. How terrible the design of this podcast is. <laughs> anyway, next week, might have a guest, and you'll be glad to know there's more fantastic tunes. So stay safe. Alex is going to be the guest next week. He <laughs> maybe turns up. Have a good week, my friends, and stay away from the chaffinches. <laughs> Those fucking chaffinches. Bye. 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 Stay safe, my friends. <laughs>